welcome to the Worship Leader Probs Podcast with your hosts Jeremy and Brian, aka Mr. Probs, aka Big Tasty. Look, serving in worship and production can be one of the most rewarding experiences, but it can also feel like I'm a worship pastor, and I'm a production pastor, and these are are our problems. problems. Welcome to episode 72 of the Worship Leader Probs podcast, where we aim to encourage, equip, and entertain worship and tech leaders all over the world, sponsored by Planning Center Online. What's up, Big Tasty? What is up? You know, From the quarantine zone. (laughs) It is. This is so (laughs) weird. It's bizarre, man. Uh, it, it, we are living in a weird, bizarro world. So, we are. hey, why don't we, before we jump into kind of what our services look like and uh, all the things we're going to be chatting about here on episode 72, why don't we take just a quick moment and talk about our Planning Center sponsorship? Well, we love them. They're the best. And so the Planning Center has an, a people app, okay? The people app will help you make sure no one falls through the cracks by giving you a place to centralize everything you need to gain insight into the people in your church. Uh, They can have a member profile, contact information. You can manage background checks and all kinds of custom details, online forms, workflows uh, to help you follow up with people, custom reports to find groups of people in your database. Um, The People app is completely free for every church, even if you don't have a plan or another application. Uh, that you use with Planning Center. So if your church uses services, you already have access to the People application and it is free, gratis, and you should take advantage of it. People can uh, help you find and recruit new volunteers uh, as well uh, as help you care for the ones you already have with features like online forms, follow-up tools, all kinds of stuff. Um, You can check it out on planning.center. Look for uh, info about the People app. It is awesome. Okay, help me understand this, this idiom. How does somebody fall through a crack? Wouldn't that have to be like a really big crack? <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be. I feel like it should be more like <laughs> keep your people from falling through the crevasse. Because <laughs> that had to be a really big crack. You know, when I was a kid, it was crevice. No, and it's now crevasse. as an adult, it became it has become crevasse, which <laughs> is a head scratcher to me. Yeah. But it's fun to say. Yeah, man. Okay, so we're living in a strange time. We were talking about it like all of us. We're all in the same place of like, we really can't. I mean, I guess you can have a gathering over 10, but it's highly dissuaded that you do that. Um, And so as a church, like part of what we do is gather. And so we've been talking a lot about how we're doing that in our, our different churches and stuff like that. I've been talking to so many churches that have needed help with live streaming. I actually... I helped a church this week and stopped by and fixed their live stream audio. They had some weird hisses and stuff. We got all that worked out. And um, so what did you guys do? Any changes from last week to this week on how you presented uh, the weekend? Uh, really only one change. Last week, we just streamed it uh, at one. We were live. And so we streamed it at one time. We, uh, we went from three service times to one service time, did it all live. This week, we pre-recorded it on Friday and we played it uh, during all of our service times. So oh, we, yeah. we, we played it for all three. And um, I think we liked the uh, stability of being able to uh, play a pre-recorded, you know, because you've got, like, if you look at the, <laughs> the internet, like a straw or whatever, you had a lot of churches already trying to cram their streams, you know, through that yeah. straw. And now it's exponentially more. And so 
Um, we did that. We, we, uh, we used the church online, uh, platform, which yep. crashed about 10 minutes before our Saturday service. Uh, so we were really grateful to have Facebook and they have this, I don't understand all the in- intricacies, but they have this new service called premiere. Okay. Where you can upload your pre-recorded service ahead of time. Hmm, and it just, great. it just, sched- it just schedules it like a normal Uh, scheduled service. So we did that this week, uh, much more stable. And again, we are certainly grateful for Facebook, which I don't say that a whole lot. I'm not a huge (laughs) Facebook guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, certainly grateful for it, uh, for it this week. So that was our big change. That's cool. We, we, um, last week, I, you know, I told you guys, we kind of cut up an old service and just added a message to it. Um, this week we recorded live on Thursday um, and so I was not super happy with the way the audio came out. So like, this is, this is like audio kind of 301, 401 for, for some of y'all out there, but like you could, you could still do this even if you had like an X32, uh, at your church. So I multi-track record every service, every rehearsal, um, all of those different things that we do. Right. Mm. And so, uh, I came back in on Friday. And so what I did was I ran my tracks back through the console in playback. And then I, I use Wavestrack, which is a free um, software you can get from Waves that allows you to just kind of do some recording and, and playing back. So I, I played back all my tracks, and then I set up two tracks, two, a, two, a stereo track, to record my main out coming from the console. So what I was basically able to do was remix the stream. Hmm. Nobody around, just kind of focus my head, really dial stuff in, and then just kind of go back. And I, so, uh, so I, I actually went back down and I, I kind of remixed the service, was super happy with the way it came out. And then uh, we passed all that on to our, our video director, Dan, and he kind of threw the service together. And then we did some cool stuff. We had our children's moment. We did, uh, uh, we, we're calling them yay God moments. And so our, our youth pastor shared about like um, how he's taking students and he pays for them to go to Dunkin' Donuts and they go out and they pray for each other and pray for Martin County and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And we kind of tied that back to giving of like, hey, your giving is helping these kids like show the love of Christ. And um, it was really, really, really good. Uh, we had great engagement. And then what we do as a staff, because we're doing the premiere thing also, um, is uh, we just all log in from home and stay super active in the comments, which was, it's actually super fun as you're seeing people jump in. And mm. yeah, it's, it, cool. it's just, it, 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 it's a weird time, but it's also like, man, it's going to change the game for us on the other side. Like church is going to look different. It the way we do different. it on the other side. And I'm, I'm kind of excited for that. So Absolutely. Absolutely. So you remixed your stream. I, I did remix the stream. Find, um, you find any islands in there? Islands in the stream. Hey, RIP, the gambler, <laughs> Kenny Rogers. We lost a, we lost a good one. Yeah, so I think it was good. So what are you guys, what are you thinking about doing for Easter? Well, we are supposed to have a large gathering online of a meeting Monday morning to okay. to talk about that. So we'll see. <laughs> Sorry, I was on the verge of coughing. Um <laughs> Yeah, so we're supposed to have a large meeting on Mondays. To, we can talk about. I think we're gonna, um, assuming everything is 
still a go with us being able to travel and go to the office and all that stuff. Um, I think we're going to pre-record again this next Wednesday, but I think our uh, the setup is going to look a little different. We're going to okay. probably do something a little more like you did with your message and put our pastor somewhere else in a more casual, yep. um, which gives us flexibility in on the the platform to do yes. some some create creative setup with our band and singers. So that's awesome. Yeah, we're gonna kind of do the same thing. Like we're gonna we're gonna set up kind of like we have like a flat auditorium floor, and so we're gonna pull the chairs out and set up just a really cool scene. And uh, we rented in some camera gear and we're going to do it. We're going to do a pretty pre like kind of have time. So we're going to do like a real pre-produced, like different feel for our Easter service, but we're doing some cool stuff. We're, we're going to, um, our, for our children's moment, mm. our children's pastor is going to go skydiving, Oh my! but he's got this whole lesson <clears throat> out of, so we're going to go film him and his skydiving day. And that's going to be the children's moment. Um, we're going to kind of do some out of the box stuff. We've thought about like on social media and stuff, like here's your daily laugh. And my lead pastor wants to put an M80 in an old toilet and blow it up in the church parking lot for no other reason <laughs> to record it in slow motion and make the congregation laugh. Nice. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. We try to be so serious and everything all the time, but like sometimes people just need some funny. You yeah. know, our meme account is a very good example of that. It, Sometimes people just need to laugh. <laughs> Dude, it's so funny because we're trying to figure out even like with friends and stuff like that, like how do we social distance but still have fun with each other? Mm. So we've been talking about setting up a Trivial Pursuit game through Zoom. Ooh, you know what I mean? So yeah. like one person can roll the dice and they ask the questions, and like we could be in teams, and you could get X amount of couples together. Like nice. You know, it's it's just we we did um say if you our, knew a couple in Indiana. Uh, exactly. You could include them. Yeah. So we could do Twister online. <laughs> um but like we did um so we did our rooted groups, you know, so everybody meets the tables. We we did them all through Zoom. And this is a week where it's like a tough one. We're like talking through and praying about like breaking strongholds. So we had like Zoom links where somebody the whole group would get together and then we split off into guys and girls. I was shocked at how well meeting online for something like that wow. actually worked. You know what I'm saying? Like we have a lot of technology at our hands. And like, if you're sitting there right now and you're like, man, how do I leverage that technology? Man, ask the people around you, reach out to us. Yeah. There's so many forums where people are talking about, Hey man, this is what we're doing right now. There's ne necessarily bad ideas right now. Like just go for it. Yeah, you know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Go for it. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's a cool time. And we're even talking about doing a, a little bit more uh, getting online with you guys, uh, if we, especially if this thing self quarantines, get more. Uh, be looking for some <laughs> Facebook lives with yes. maybe some of our friends yes. from the podcasting world and things like that, where we can make <laughs> you guys laugh. Maybe we'll throw some little Zoom worship times together. Yeah, I don't man. know. The sky's literally the limit right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> Unlike our travel distance, which is not very far at all. <laughs> it's not very far. <laughs> Dude. Okay. So one of our WLP certified coaches, uh, his name is Dan Smith. I talked about him last week. Uh, Dan's the uh, audio director for Willow Creek. He is actually flying to me in Florida right now. Uh, we're going to, while there's some free time, we're going to dive into some PA tuning and he's going to do some training and stuff with me. He sent me a picture of his flight. There's 10 people on it. Oh my and he said, walking through, because he's from Chicago, obviously. So I'm assuming he flew out of O'Hare. Was that Chicago? Yeah. 
Yeah. And he said it's a ghost town. Man, I can't imagine. So. Cannot imagine. Ah, it's a great, great time to be alive, my dude. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we jump into the first segment of our podcast that we like to call Prayer Concerns. I don't know why I said prayer that way. That was stupid. <laughs> prayer Concerns. Well, every week on the Worship Leader Problems Podcast, you know, one of our goals, you know, our three E's are to entertain, encourage, and equip. Well, that entertainment, man, we want to make you guys laugh. We need the laughter and we need the funny. And so we've been reading these prayer concerns for 72 episodes. Um, and what's amazing, you would think after doing five or six of these times 72, I don't know what that math is, but it's a lot. It's a lot. All of these prayer concerns, and yet they still roll in. And so prayer concerns in the context of worship leader props is uh, we like to take all of the things that people put on the connection card, the welcome card that you have at your church in the prayer section. How can we pray for you uh, that have literally nothing to do with prayer? And uh, we like to read those here on the podcast. And so Big Tasty, what do we got this week? Let's jump in. Prayer. Is that how you said it? Prayer. Prayer concern number one. I've been at my new church for three weeks. Walking through the lobby, a man stopped me and he said, we like those new tunes you're doing, but could you please do some hymns for us older folks? Oh my goodness. This is three weeks. That's got to be some kind of record. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Love it so yeah, much. Yeah. Speaking okay. of hymns, you know who we need to have on at some point? Who? We need to bring Bill Gaither on. I love it. He's like the OG. He is, man. He is. He's the original Gaither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love it, man. Oh, dude. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd be a part of that family of God. That's right. <laughs> Moving on. Number two, pray, prayer concern number two. <laughs> and this says, I got a funny comment uh, from a churchgoer last week. I think it was meant to be a compliment, but it played out differently. And it said, man, I know everyone complains that the worship is way too loud, but I like it because I can sing out and not feel embarrassed. And that was the first time I had heard that everyone is complaining about the worship being too loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Number three, prayer concern number three. A woman mentioned that maybe we should close our eyes when we sing and she doesn't like how our knees look. <laughs> I've never heard that one, man. I've never heard that. Before I don't like how your life. knees look. What does that mean? Oh my gosh! The only time that. I've ever heard that was when somebody was looking at my compression settings on my vocals. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke for my audio guys that went over the head of most of my worship leaders, but, but it was um, pretty um, good. It was but pretty um, good. Um. Yeah. All right, number four. My wife and I played a jazzy rendition of Blessed Assurance, and everyone loved it. After service, a lady came up to us and said, that was the best version of Amazing Grace I have ever heard. <laughs> the only thing I could say was, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> That's fantastic. Whenever you hear the word jazz, or I always immediately think Ron Burgundy pulling the flute from <laughs> his sleeve. <laughs> yeah. And then like, would you pull? Oh, I don't even have. Oh, wait a second. He like pulls it out. Oh my gosh. Every time. Every time. Oh man. Okay. Number five. Last one. Bottom of the pudding cup. The last prayer concern. <laughs> A 45 year old man in our church got up during the first song and one of our, <laughs> of one of our services and went and stood in the foyer. When somebody asked him if he was okay, he said, that music is so loud. It's rattling my kidney stone. 
<laughs> You're welcome. We're just helping them get it out. Exactly. You gotta pass You're that healed. bad boy. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for uh, checking in and sending your prayer concerns to the Worship Leader Probs podcast. Uh, if you have uh, any time, would like us to read those, all you gotta do is go to www.worshipleaderprobs.com. Click on the prayer concerns tab. There we got a little form you can fill out, and uh, we will read those right here on the podcast. We'll never ask for your name or your church's name. It is fully anonymous. So. All right, dude, before we get into our conversation with Mark Harris, which is dude. which is straight truth bombs and money, um, can we just talk a little bit about the WLP coaching network uh, that we are launching right now? And so uh, we've had this idea in our minds for quite a while that we believe the Lord has put there. Like, um, you guys know our hearts. We really want to invest in worship and tech leaders. Absolutely. Um, I mean, between myself, Brian, and Scott, I mean, there is like over 50 years of combined experience in the church world. Um, I love so much the fact that like you got Scott Longyear, who is a lead pastor, but spent over 20 years as a worship pastor. Mm -hmm. You got Brian, who's been leading worship for over 25 years. And you got me uh, 10 years uh, or 11 years now, just, you know, in this world of production. Um, And so we really want to get together and uh, we have this coaching network that the Lord's given us. And it's really based around three C's. You know, we want it to be about uh, community, connection, and our craft. And so the community is like networking with other people who are like-minded doing what you're doing. Um, the, the, the connection is like, how do you get closer to Jesus? And then your craft, like, look, the Lord calls for excellence in what we do. Um, you know, I, excellence can look different. Like my excellence at keep playing the keyboard is not going to look anything like the excellence Brian's going to give playing the keyboard, right? <laughs> Just like Brian's excellence on a, on a, on an audio desk is not going to look like what mine is. Right. Sound, um, but the Lord does bad. call, uh, does call for excellence. And so, um, I'm just really excited for, for what we're going on with here, Brian. So uh, tell them a little bit about some of our coaches and, uh, you know, some of the reasons why we just really feel like this is going to be really important. Yeah. So, you know, you've heard us say often, if we get better, our teams get better. If our teams get better, our churches get better. Our worship Amen. gets better. And so, you know, if we're connecting to Christ, if we're connecting with other people and being challenged and encouraged by other people and we're getting better at our craft, that's going to help our teams get better. Um, and as, as our teams get better, you know, as we as we do those things and we model those things for our teams, um, our worship's going to get better. And so we've that's that's why we wanted to do this. And yep. we do feel like it's there's a quite a difference, as Jeremy said, with us all three, uh, we're in churches just like you. We're doing this every week just like you right. are. And so we've got a lot of common ground uh, to to talk to you from. So, um, you know, you heard Jeremy talk about Dan. Uh, I mean, for real, how many seats in the Willow Creek? <laughs> uh, the, the sanctuary he mixes in has 7,200 seats. Okay, yeah. 102 speaker boxes. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. <laughs> So, you know, you're going to learn from, you got a chance to learn from a guy like that. And by the way, we don't have that many coaches right now because we're waiting for people to register. And we've got a bunch of other coaches queued up that are going to make your jaw drop just like these guys are. We've got uh, Jerry Newman, who is uh, just an unbelievable guy. Um, Jerry Newman has served, you know, with Dr. David Jeremiah in San Diego. He's now at a church in Lubbock, Texas. And Jerry has like I don't know how many, two master's two degrees and two doctor degrees and, um, and they're all in worship. And so Jerry is just a super gifted guy, very knowledgeable. 
Um, and then we have the memestress herself. If you follow us on Instagram, Jen Yance, Jen, Yance, Jen Smale uh, from 2911 Church in the Phoenix area. And Jen is just um, one of the one of the best creative thinkers that I've been around in a really long time. And so yes. um, that's what you, that's what you got so far, plus the three of us. And um, we're doinks. Know, we're just a, a regular doinks, regular old that's doinks. Right. With a lot of experience, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, and Mucho so doinkage. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get to you're going to get to learn from the guys that figured it out by doing it wrong in the first place. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, but you can go to www.worshipleaderprobs.com and you can sign up there. Um, it's forty nine dollars a month. Like you're going to get a large group session every month that that's going to be led by. Scott, uh, Brian, and myself, and then you'll break down on one of these coaches who um, you you'll be in contact with. Every day, if you want to be through Slack channels, mm. um, but then you'll have a smaller group meeting where you can get even deeper into the content that we've got developed uh, for you guys. And so, um, one of the things I, we talked about that I love is like, man, this is if you're a worship guy, this is for you. If you're a tech guy, this is for you. And imagine what it would look like if whole church creative arts departments were to go into this thing together. Absolutely. And now you're having um, craft specific conversations, but leadership concepts that are going to be unified between the worship and the stage, thus further breaking down the walls. I mean, come, come on. on somebody. And if, yeah, if you're bivocational, I mean, this, this is, is this is like uh, taking courses Yeah, at, at the prices, just not that much. And so this, this and gives you we can ag- guarantee all kinds of access. If you take these courses, they will not be any good for any credits at any college anywhere. <laughs> we promise you that. That's our promise to you. That's our promise to you. All right, BT. Well, why don't we jump into our interview with Mr. Mark Harris from Gateway? Well, the Worship Leader Pros podcast is very excited to have Mark Harris from Gateway Church, from For Him, from all kinds of crazy dude. <laughs> it was so fun, like doing my research, kind of like leading up to this. Man, like the stuff God has done in your life. I mean, I think I saw 25 number one hits that you've been a part of, uh, eight Dove Awards, a Grammy nomination. Um, Dude, what has your journey been like, like to get to this point and all the things that you've got to do? Unbelievable. Well, you know, I, I would say that my journey has been one of just <laughs> all kinds of unexpected surprises and just things that I never thought I'd be a part of, things I've never even dreamed of being able to 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 accomplish in my life, like, you know, Really, we didn't have a master plan when we started for him. Um, we were just four guys that really had a call on our life. I always thought that I would be a part of a staff at a local church. I, I really believed that that was what God created me to do. Um, kn- I knew early on in my life that I had a knack for writing like little songs. You know, it was something that I loved to do. But I never, I never really kind of saw all that I would get to be a part of. Uh, from the start. So I, I feel extremely blessed. I feel like God has just given me more than I deserve and allowed me to be a part of much more than I deserve. So I'm, I, I feel like a very fortunate guy. <laughs> Man, that's Amazing, so cool. Dude. That's okay. So when, when you guys, when the four of you got together, I promised, I told him I wasn't going to monopolize this was with for him <laughs> questions, but that was such a part of my journey. So tell like, how did that happen? How did you guys get together and well it, tell us about that? So so you know that 
for those of us that can remember uh, and are old enough to know, there was a group called Truth, and Truth was it was a fun group. It, it, it had like a horn section, full band, and had eight singers on the front line, and Roger Breland started it back in 1970. And mm. so what would happen is different, you know, band members and vocalists would come through that group over the course of years. And so we just met in that group, the four of us were the four male vocalists, uh, like in 1987. So um, we landed there. And, and so in, in 1989, at the end of 1989, um, because it was a group where you, you came and you stayed a few years and then you would go on to whatever was next. And so just the four of us were having a conversation one day and the story goes, we were sitting at McDonald's and, um, and, we, and, and we just said, hey, what would it be like if we started a four-member male vocal group? Uh, and at the time in Christian music, uh, there, there was a group called the Imperials that started with kind of a Southern gospel heritage, but had migrated to pop. And so mm-hmm. we loved that group um, and, and we loved the sound. We loved, you know, and every time a new album would come out, you know, each of us would kind of run to the store to get it. And so, uh, so we were definitely influenced by them. And so when we talked about it, we said, what would it be like if we started like a younger version of that? Cause we were young at the time and, and maybe just a little more of a pop sound. And so at, at the same time, without us knowing it, Benson record company had been talking about starting a male pop group too. They wanted a younger wow. group. And so, and so, they heard us because Truth was on the Benson label. And so they heard a song that we did on a, a Truth Christmas album. It's called The Caroler Song. And so they, they just reached out to Roger, who was the guy that was uh, the founder and the director of Truth. And, and they said, could we talk to these guys? And so uh, they met with us and we said, yeah, you know, we actually have been talking about that. <laughs> so. So we started meeting with them in the fall of 89 and discussing what an album would look like and started listening to songs. And then uh, we recorded our first album in January of 1990. And uh, we were still in truth. So it was really kind of an interesting setup. Actually, it was divine because we, we had 250 concerts booked before we ever stepped off of the truth bus. <laughs> Okay. And and so our first single, Where There Is Faith, from that first album was released and and people were like, Who are they? Where are they? Like I remember um just a chance meeting. It was like at the Nashville airport before we were ever out of truth. We met Stephen Curtis because he was just getting his start. Um his first album had come out and we loved it. And so we were a little bit starstruck when we met him. And, uh, and so I remember Stephen saying to us, so you guys are the guys with that, that's because he said, I keep hearing that song. And I'm like, who are they? Where are they? Because nobody in Nashville could find us because we were on the truth bus doing 360 concerts, oh, man. you know? And so it's like, people were like, where are you? Where are, who are these guys? Because typically when a CCM group comes out, Everybody in Nashville knows you because you came there. You kind of 
paid your dues, you know, in the town by mm-hmm, writing. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like they were saying, who is this for him group? <laughs> and so it really was fascinating because that it, it, it kind of built this, um, this neat, you know, kind of this anticipation to, to finally hear us live. And so we ended up, like I said, we stepped off of the truth bus uh, in early fall of 1990. And, you know, the career of for him began touring. And so, and so we, you know, it's like God set it all up so much better than we mm-hmm. could. I mean, it, it, it's the kind of thing that I tell young artists all the time, you know, just know that God sees you. God knows where you are mm-hmm. and he has a plan. And if you will just steady your heart and be patient, God will get you to where he needs to get you. You just need, you need to, do what's in front of you at that moment. Do it with excellence and do it with all your heart and, and to glorify God. And God will mm-hmm. open the door when the door needs to be open. Amen. Amen, Amen. dude. Okay, so if you're listening to this podcast and you're maybe on the younger end, maybe the group for him is new to you, you need to <laughs> search for him. You, if you don't search any other song, well, there's too many to name, but if there is a better, like, generational anthem than for future generations, I don't know what it would be. That song wipes me out wow. still to this day. Brian, thank you. You know, I that song um, is a special song for me because uh, our our first child was born. Matthew was born. Uh, in 1994, and that was when that song was written. And uh, a, a large part of the inspiration for that song was because I was, for the first time in my life, it's experiencing what it meant to bring someone into the world and feel the responsibility of being a dad mm-hmm. and knowing that um, one day this child would move out of my house and, and I, and how I raised him and, and, and what, what kind of things are poured into him I'm responsible for. And, uh, and so that song, Dave Clark called me one day and he's the co-writer on it along with Don Cook and Dave called and he just said, you know, Dave's a, an incredible writer that's been in Nashville mm-hmm. for years. And, and he called me and he said, Hey, I, I've got this, church publication and on the front it says um you know we must be a light for future generations and so mm-hmm. he said and maybe it didn't say it exactly that way but it was just that's what we ended up coming up with but it, it the t- the words for future generations was on that uh cover and so they've just said it's not the content of what the story is about within the publication but that's a song title mm-hmm. or that's there's something wow. to that. Yeah, it is. And mm. so, uh, I told Dave, I said, yeah. And I said, we just, we need to write it. And so to be very honest with you, we were meeting with a producer in California that was going to be one of the producers on the ride album. And, uh, and he said, it was funny cause he, he had, he's the same producer that produced built the city on rock and roll. Uh, Sarah with Jefferson Star, whatever Starship is. And so he also at the time was working on a Chicago album and, and then as well was 
working on, I mean, like everybody Wang Chung tonight, remember? Yeah, he was that guy. Um, he was the producer of those songs. And so he was talking to me and he, he just said to the four of us, because we had not begun just picking songs yet. And he said, sitting in the studio, as we were talking about what kinds of songs, he said, I feel like you guys need to do some songs on this project that will introduce you to a broader audience. So you might want to consider taking a wider road <laughs> and, uh, and me being raised in the church. And I was like, Oh no, we're on the narrow road. You know, like, I'm like, I'm like what are you talking about? And so it was a funny conversation because I, I thought to myself, uh, no, you, uh, uh, you know, I was like, oh, no, because I was the principal writer in the group, you know, and I was like, no, we're not going to, I mean, I can't do that. And so I get on the plane heading back out of LA. We were going back to Nashville for more meetings and I, that chorus came to me on the plane. So wow. it was like, uh, I won't bend and I won't break. I won't water down my faith. Uh, I won't compromise, you know. In a world of desperation, what has been, I cannot change. But for tomorrow and today, I will be a light for future generations. So that came, so that chorus came pretty quickly on that plane, just in response to the thought that I, and, and what also was in my heart was I, I refuse to, to not continue to share the message very clearly because I have a son and I want him to know about Jesus and his love. And so it was, there was something in me that was like, I'm on a mission. I know the call on my life. And that song, just for me as a songwriter, I felt very passionate about the fact that, that I, I cannot, um, like because of the call, and I know you guys relate to this because you're called mm. too. Mm. It's like, that's the most important thing. And whatever God chooses to do with that, even though the message may be very specific and all people won't connect to it, I just knew that for me, I, I, I had to stay the path with writing lyrics that were very focused on the message of the gospel and the word of God. Mm. And so yeah. that song mm. kind of was a turning point for me because I think at that moment we were at a place where for him was, had had so much just favor and success that there was an opportunity for us to kind of transition into a broader um, market. And it's not that mm -hmm. I don't believe people can do that, for, for, but for us, we felt like God had called us to the church. Mm -hmm. So, Oof. Okay. So I heard you say you grew up in the church. So like, how did, like, how, did, did you know early on that like singing was your thing? Like, what was that all like growing up and like realize, cause we, we, we talk about this a lot. Like we have a lot of younger people that listen to the podcast and are following the Instagram account who are maybe in that mode right now of like, I can sing, but am I supposed to be an artist? Am I supposed to be in the church? Like discerning what God is doing, you know, maybe tell some of, if, if you, if you got, if you'd like, like a little bit of like, what was it like growing up in the church and how did you know that God was calling you yeah. to do what it is that you were doing? Jeremy, that's a great question. So um, the, what, what I knew, and, and this is just kind of, you know, as a young boy, uh, I think I was probably in the first grade and I was 
at an event at our small church in Lower Alabama. And um, I remember uh, Vacation Bible School, I stood up on a bench and my mom always reminds me of this. And I had a Bible in my hand and I said, I am going to preach. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a preacher. <laughs> and, uh, and so I remember the teacher in the class said, well, why don't you preach where you are? And so I got up on that bench and I probably just, you know, as a little boy shared John three sixteen and said, probably if you want to get saved, you know, but I remember and I remember back that far because I, I think, you know, when you look back and your mind kind of reflects, I do recall that. I don't see it so clearly, but I do remember that moment in my early childhood of feeling like I wanted to be someone that would share the gospel with people. Um, I didn't know the format and what the vehicle God would use, but I just knew that I wanted to be able to tell the story. And so, uh, fast forward. Uh, you know, growing up in church, I, I went through my years of rebellion. Um, I, I really didn't have, you know, I I actually, I think at church, I, I kind of lived one life, to be very honest with you. And then in high school, because I was involved in sports and I, I, I dabbled with partying during my high school years. And, and even in college, I, I didn't live the way that I know I should be living. And, and I was at a Christian college at that point. But it's when I got out of college that I finally fully committed and surrendered my life to the Lord. And it was almost mm-hmm. like that boy at five who knew what was right. It's like train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is older, he won't depart from it. I feel like the seed was planted and continued to be nurtured. But I finally had to turn my heart completely and fully to the Lord at 24 years of age. So, you know, it's the kind of thing where, I feel like there are young people that are, and maybe even, you know, just because you lead worship doesn't mean your life is surrendered to the Lord. Um, mm. You know, just because you stand on a platform on the weekend and and you're doing it, you may be doing it just because that's a gift that you've been given, and yet you're you're not really at a place where you fully surrendered. Because I was traveling in the group Truth, and I was still not living a life that was fully surrendered. And I gave mm. my heart to the Lord after a truth concert one day. So, wow. so it was, it was not, it was two years before we began for him. So it's not like, like I knew the truth, but I had not really surrendered my heart. And, and, and so the thing is, I, I don't, I really don't ever assume when I'm talking to some young person that has a gift and leads worship, I'm, I assume the best, but I also am aware of the fact that not everybody that serves in ministry is fully surrendered in their relationship to the Lord. Yes. Mm. That's good. That's so good. Wow. And it's not for me to judge. Just, I'm, just saying, mm. no, I'm, that, no. I'm not walking around looking going, are you? Are you? But, but it's just <laughs> the thing that I'm always when I'm, because a big portion of what I do now is I'm pouring into the next generation. And I feel like the Lord has me in a season in life, even though I'm still in the game leading worship, I'm more of a player coach because I feel like the Lord's, his gift and call on my life is to mentor. And so I I always assume that who I'm talking to or who I'm pouring into 
is where they need to be with the Lord. But I, there have been times when I've realized, no, they, they have, they're not, you know? So um, anyway, that's a great mm-hmm. question. Man, Dude, that's, that's awesome really because good. like how many guys are sitting out there going, man, I just don't understand what, you know, like the Lord's not doing anything. I don't see his prayer. Like, and you're going, okay, well, are you fully surrendered? Yeah. Mm. Well, that's mm. the thing because <laughs> like, I think the thing is it's like surrender and submission to authority, which the great authority in our life should be Christ. Um, means that I come to him with my hands kind of turned up saying, what do you want to put into my hands? I don't, want, I don't need to tell him what I want him to put in my hands. And that's fine for me to say, God, this, I have this desire. But complete submission and surrender is to say, God, here am I. And it's like, send me. What, what do you want to put in my hands? Uh, because so it is that word to that young musician, uh, whether you're a singer or, or a, an instrumentalist or both, and, and, and you have gifts. That, that God has given you, it's like the big challenge for a, a, a young musician is to make sure that they stay in love with the giver of the gift and not fall in love with the gift because mm. you can become mm. infatuated with Come the on. gift and then it can become all about that and then you find your identity in that instead of finding your identity in Christ. Amen. Wow. Yeah, I, I've seen that a lot. There's friends that I have mentored and stuff like that they're like the artists yeah and what i what i've noticed is that in the pursuit of making it they begin to worship the art I'm sorry, rather guys. than oh yeah <laughs> got a bark, barking dog I'll, I'll try to shut off yeah sorry no worries no worries man uh, I'm home. <laughs> that's awesome i love it yeah he's... but no i would say they, they it's like they begin to start worshiping the art more than the mm-hmm. one who created the mm-hmm. art absolutely and they get all they get all their priorities all mixed up and turn around next thing you know they're like so far off the beaten path oh well you know what i think that i think that we see it all the time i think that um I'm sorry, my dog is going crazy. It's it's like it's there's okay. somebody at the door, and I'm trying, I'm trying <laughs> no to find a room where you can't hear him. So no worries. Man. I'm kind of in the back. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm not at the office today, so it's like it's my office. <laughs> it's funny. I'm sorry. So, so Jeremy, to your point, or it was Brian? I forget which one of you were saying. But Jeremy, yeah. It, yeah, it's so like Jeremy. You're right. It's like it, and I think we've seen that so many times where. There is this purity and this innocence, um, and it's like I, I feel like God's raising up fathers to be able to help the sons and the daughters and mothers as well mm-hmm. to make sure that they they don't fall into that trap that they don't fall mm-hmm. into the place yeah. where all of a sudden uh, because we live in a very secular world where it's like. And it's it's humanistic. It's like they they're always sending the message, um, you know, you're created with gifts and make sure that you maximize the gifts, which is a biblical thought too. But then when it turns into because that's who you are and and be true to who you are and that gift that you've got, your art, whatever is inside of you, um, you know, it may begin that you're doing it to bring glory to God. But you know, there's there's a truth, and I want, and this is, and I and I got this from Pastor Robert Morris. Mm. When you have a creative gift, when you're an artist, and, and if it's music or whatever, and you take that gift that God gave you, and 
you begin to be affirmed because of that gift and people start giving you applause. Um, it, there's a fine line between uh, surrendering that and giving the glory to God for that gift that he put in you. Um, and the reality is, is that Lucifer was created with all of these creative gifts. Like he was the true creative. When you look at Lucifer, mm-hmm. he was beautiful. He had all of the instruments inside of him. And, and there, it, obviously he must have been just a fascinating creature in the beginning. And it's like mm-hmm. uh, so much so that it's like in heaven, I think the thing that sometimes we forget is he was there and, and conflict happened in heaven. And it's where all of a sudden Lucifer felt like, I don't want all of the glory going to God anymore because I want to receive it myself because Mm. people are telling Mm. me I'm pretty awesome. So there's a fine line for a creative between that place where you're good with all of the glory going there. Because I lead worship so many weekends and there are times when it's like I have to remind myself that applause, that, that glory, it's not mine at all. Like, mm, that's right. and so it's mm. like in any time. So here's the, here's what Pastor Robert said. You have to remember, Lucifer didn't want all of the glory. He wanted some of it. Anytime we Ooh, step into wow. a place where we want some of the glory, are we any different than him? And it's like, we have to remind ourselves that glory is not ours. Um, it's, it's all God's, not even, it's just a, there's not, a, I can't just for one moment kind of go, Hey, I want to pick some of that up. Is it? looks pretty good mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i've got to remind myself it's not mine zero none of it it's, it's mine man that's so good that's so good wow can you do me a favor can you go grab a mic and drop it real quick for me that's a truth bomb right there baby yeah. well, and you know and fortunately i can't receive the glory from it because it's pastor robert's word <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's so good um like he he was throwing haymakers. I think there was a couple of yes. uppercuts in there. I mean, it was pretty un- unbelievable. And it, you know, if you don't know him from his for him days, which were those were unbelievable. You know, he's at one of the largest churches in the world at you know Gateway in Dallas, yeah. and just an unbelievable guy, and is super generous. And probably, I don't know that we'll include this in the podcast, but this was literally the in 72 episodes. This is the first time this has ever happened before we got off the call. He asked if he could pray for us. And it was, we were both Mm. sobbing at the end of it because it was like, guys, yeah, I love what you're doing. Whatever you're dreaming, you need to dream bigger. Ooh, it was a, it was one of those moments like marked in the sand. Absolutely. So, and speaking of dreaming bigger, can I just say we reached another milestone on the Instagram account this week. (laughs) 70, 75,000 followers. What is it? And we also, two weeks ago, went over 200,000 streams <sighs> of our podcast. Man? Thanks, guys. I mean, you guys, we just, we, we really do love you guys. It's the weirdest thing. We've never met most of you, nor will meet any of you. And we, we just, we, we love, love you all a lot. And we Absolutely. believe in what you're doing. All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode 72 of the Worship Leader Problems podcast. And until next time, see ya. Deuces.